It takes a village to build a season, and we are grateful that In Life Shiro's has chosen to become a part of ours. Thank you for supporting our show and helping us to continue sharing stories. Now, on to the episode. The path of an entrepreneur is not an easy one, fraught with challenges to overcome and problems to solve along the road. Imagine putting your blood, sweat, and tears into a project that may possibly fail. Or, as in the case of Risa Manangil Trilio, turn out to be something that you have to walk away from. Risa, who started out as a model and beauty columnist, is an award-winning entrepreneur and co-founder of local trailblazing beauty brand, Happy Skin. Happy Skin was like one of her babies, a brand she helped create and build from the ground up and had poured so much into. What happens when you decide you have to leave something like that behind you? Risa opens up about starting over, redefining what entrepreneurship and business mean to her, the importance of values and self-respect, and why her future looks so bright. My name is Leah Cruz. On this episode of What Glass Ceiling, we talk to Risa Manangil Trilio. Hi, Risa. Welcome to What Glass Ceiling. Hi, Leah. Thanks so much for having me. Early on, Risa, you made a name for yourself as a model and a writer and beauty columnist. How did the shift to becoming an entrepreneur happen? Was it something you always wanted to do or did the opportunity sort of just, you know, pop up unexpectedly? Um, I guess I would say I, I've always had an entrepreneurial streak. I remember the first time I ever sold something. It was, I was eight years old and friendship bracelets were the big rage back then. I don't know if you remember wow. those woven oh, yes. fr- fr- yeah. yeah, those woven ones. So what I did was I used my school allowance to buy embroidery thread and weave them on my own into bracelets. And I sold them for five pesos each to my neighbors and my classmates and my family members. And then in grade school, I would also create my own mock-up newspaper comics or short stories and sell them because, you know, back then, you know, my village friends would be the ones buying them because that time there was no Netflix, social media, gadgets. And I, I the little stories I wrote, I suppose, entertained them. And then there was also one summer I noticed that the employees of the nearby office would walk far to the village park just to buy snacks. And so what I did was I set up a table and I started selling snacks and refreshments. So they no longer had to leave. And everyone in that office bought snacks from me. So <laughs> I know it sounds all so simple, but looking back, I think all of this taught me a lot about the foundations of starting a business. You know, I wasn't afraid to create things from scratch, make the most out of opportunities and find a solution. I think you also have to know what interests you and drives you. You know, keep your eyes peeled for what people value. Um, Find a way to bring both together, put in the work and trust your instinct and, you know, pursue things you're passionate about or your vision. Because even at the start, it's only you walking the path. You just have to embrace it. I mean... I think to set our to set ourselves ourselves up for success, we have to be also courageous enough to invest in ourselves. Yeah. And and early on in your journey as one of the co-founders of Happy Skin, which which is the brand that you put up and that you founded, that you co-founded, you were also blazing a trail. You were you were doing things in an arena that wasn't so much. That, that people didn't really move about in in the local in the local market. What were the most difficult challenges that you faced? 
I think it helped that um, first, the inclination for business was always there. And growing up, I also never felt boxed to pursue just one thing. Um, it helped that I grew up alongside people who genuinely believed I could be anything I wanted to be. I think that's so important. Um, growing up, you know, you're surrounded with people who believe in you from family, even those titas and titas. As a young girl, my mom told me that I could be a doctor, a lawyer, and an entrepreneur, you know, even if those professions were dominated by men at that time. And when I started working as a model and a beauty columnist, I still had that mindset of an entrepreneur, you know, always looking out for solutions and to answer pain points in beauty. And because the beauty industry was always part of my life, it was natural for me to start a business. And um, when the challenges there is that, of course, being a woman in any male-dominated field had its challenges. Um, you know, there's always this expectation for women to be docile, which is a harmful stereotype because when we speak our minds, you know, we're often labeled as bossy, uptight, or know-it-all. And yes, you know, there were also moments in my life when I wasn't granted a listening ear simply because of who I was, a woman. Especially when I was younger, I think it was easier for businesses to maintain their status quo of older men calling the shots. You know, I've experienced being belittled for something I can't change simply because I was a woman. So I've always believed that the best way a woman can secure her future is the same way a man does. Dream big, work hard, and do what's important to you regardless of what society tells you. You know, because a woman today can be both the bread maker and the breadwinner of the home. You know, women can be anything they want to be and their roles today go beyond the home. And I think another challenge women face today in this era is that there's this huge pressure for women to be great both at work and at home. You know, to combine that professional success and satisfaction with real commitment to family. And it's unfair because there are so many gender stereotypes. You know, women who put their careers first are typical, typically praised, while those who choose family are, you know, sometimes regarded as not committed enough or are unprofessional at work. But personally, I think it's really hard for any woman to feel successful at work if you're not successful at home. So I feel that the right partner is important, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Partner in family, um, of course, partner in business is also important, but your partner for life, you know, being able to achieve more as a woman can spell, you know, the, having the right partner at home can spell the biggest difference. And um, for me, because when I look at a partner, there are two things that are very important. Well, first, you share the same values, whether it's a life partner or a business partner, because I think this will serve as your compass as a couple, you know, from the little things like how to treat kasambahais or employees or how you raise your children. And especially if you have daughters and the roles, the roles they're going to take. Um, sharing the same values also gets you through the hardest times and makes you stronger as a couple. I think second, when choosing that life partner, is, is this person going to be 100% supportive of your own aspirations, especially for us women? And that doesn't mean just a yes from him or her, whatever kind of partner you choose to spend the rest of your life with. You know, the yes that you can do whatever you want. It's not a just a matter of saying yes. I think you have to ask yourself, does your partner care about sharing the workload at home? Does he care about caring for children? Or will you just get dumped with all the unpaid labor? I think these are the things you have to consider. Otherwise, I, 
I think you can move on and choose, you know, um, a better life partner. Yeah. Because they, because they say a woman's career is only as good as the person she marries. You know, we always hear the expression of women breaking the glass ceiling. And I remember reading um, an article that said that your glass ceiling is sleeping in bed next to you. So women marry their glass ceilings. And I feel super, so super true. Right? I think you're only yeah. limited by your life partner. I mean, what you can and cannot do. That's why I feel super thankful I have a husband who never held me back. You know, I was able to start and run a business while juggling two babies, pursuing an MBA, publishing a book, all at the same time. And any success I've achieved is directly related to how much he was willing to be an amazing parent. You know, he supports me to the point that it always makes me feel like, I have time to accomplish whatever I want to do. And all my wins in life, I really owe to Paolo, my husband. And for the work-life balance, a lot of people think I have. He is the reason. It's amazing because, you know, you don't actually discuss that. I mean, it's not like a tip that you give women entrepreneurs or, or even women in the workplace. It's more like how to juggle it on your own or how to make sure that you can do it all. But not much emphasis is placed on how important it is, the process of picking your partner is. And I, I yeah. think it, it just you just need to underscore that even more. Think really hard about who you're marrying. Not just not enough um, emphasis is given, not enough credit yeah. is also given. I mean, yes, I'm very thankful true. because Paolo is, I can say he's a feminist and very, you know, um, pro-women empowerment. And I remember also reading, there's um, Sheryl Sandberg, the former Facebook CEO, once said in a college commencement speech, that the most important career decision you're going to make is whether or not you have a life partner and who that partner is. So today, you know, I think it's something people have to factor in um, because that's for life. Whoever you choose to spend the rest of your life with will impact not just family, but even career and your future, you know, there's really not enough emphasis given on that. What about those who don't have a supportive enough partner? Like, well, like, you know, what can they do? You know, the support doesn't necessarily come from a partner. You know, Leah, I was a single mom before and there was no Paolo in my life before. And when I was a single mom, I was already dead set that it would just me, be me and my son for the rest of my life. And I would do it all. I was willing to already accept that I would take the rules, all the rules needed, you know, without a life partner. And support comes in so many forms, not just, you know, who you choose as your life partner, but your family, your friends, the people who you spend most of your time with. And when I was a single parent, that's where I got a lot of my support and strength from. So um, it's not to say someone single has more time than someone who doesn't or someone with no partner has less responsibilities. I mean, the challenges both kinds of people face are different. But um, I think it's very important to surround with yourself with people who really support you. It's so, it's so different. We both have daughters. And I guess I've seen the effect and the impact how different women can be when they're surrounded with a tribe that cheers them on. You, you really feel... You know, you can do anything and you're so, someone cheering you on is so important. That's why it's so important to also be that way for the next generation of women. So regardless 
whether you have that life partner or not, um, the support and confidence of other people is really so important. Okay, let's talk about your life or, or what life was like or what life is like as an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm sure it was, there were ups and downs. I'm sure it was difficult and it, nobody says that 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 path is easy at all. But what's more difficult in your opinion, starting a business or sustaining it? I'd say that starting something and sustaining it would both have their unique difficulties. But I think the bigger challenge would be to create something that can evolve and still endure. I mean, I think this means that from the very beginning, the why behind what you created is very clear to you. Because when things get tough, and they really will eventually for any entrepreneur, your purpose will remind you to move forward even when you want to give up, you know, during those hardest days and the toughest times. And knowing your why or why you created that business also means whatever you create can stand the test of time, even if it goes through different iterations and innovations. When you decide what your why is about making an an impact and changing the lives of people, I think that really gives you so much fuel to start and to keep going. You know, for people starting a business, it's actually easier to start a business today. You know, social media and e-commerce are the major democratizing forces over time. Before, an entrepreneur would need a significant amount of capital to put up a store. But today, you can start online in a very low-risk way and be able to reach a nationwide audience without having to make big investments on anything other than the product. So if you think about it, today's generation has the power to create products they are passionate about and put them out in the world. So being online, you know, has really has been a game changer for entrepreneurship today. So whether you're a global brand or a shop around the corner, being present in the digital marketplace is so important. I once read a Google study that said 75% of searches happen on mobile devices. And I'm sure even more now after the pandemic. And it's crucial that your business is ready for those moments because without a strong digital presence, you could be missing out on connecting with potential customers during that exact moment that they're interested in your product or whatever service they're looking for. Customers aren't just getting information. They're also making decisions and often heading straight to the online store. So it's really during those online searches where hearts and minds are being won and lost. And being there is the first step in winning them. Is that something that you think that you would be doing nowadays if you would have started a business like now in, in this age of primarily digital shopping and everything, you, you'd be going that route? Definitely. I think um, everyone starting a business right now will have that big advantage. But I, anyone who's going to start a business today also has to think and remember that times have also changed, that consumers now vote with their wallets and their values. So I think anyone who wants to start has to think about not just how a business can make you money. The better mindset is how to think of how your business can solve a problem and make lives better. You know, there's so many, many businesses today. I mean, there's a brand for everything. And there are so many brands popping up every day, especially in the beauty arena, our local beauty arena. Um, So it's important to really have your eyes and ears open to genuinely solve a problem, you know, fill that gap. What what do people really need, you know, to see both the problems and the solution? I think an entrepreneur today has to have that value-creating approach for products and a mindset where they think about the consumers first. Because this way, whatever business you create, you'll be always offering something that people need and look for. 
you know, I always tell people, you don't succeed by killing competition. You succeed by creating value. That's a really nice way of putting it. For those who are really just starting out, what would you, I mean, you've given us already some great advice for those young entrepreneurs who are starting out, or maybe even not so young entrepreneurs, but for those who are starting out. But what would like, would you have a checklist, like a top three checklist of tips for those who are just starting out? I think it depends on the nature of the business. The checklist will be different depending on what you want to get into. But if there's one thing I would, a lot of businesses make is, you know how when you see those, when you get into an office of a big established or global business, they always have those mission, vision, values. Yeah. And people always just think that's just fluff. But honestly, if there's one thing um, every entrepreneur should do is to make sure their mission, vision, and values are clear even before they launch the business because it will answer the biggest questions. You know, when you're at the crossroads and during the hardest, toughest times, when you go back to your mission, vision, and values, decisions are easier, not just for, you know, the people who run it, but from top down, you know, because it's clear why are we taking that direction? A lot of businesses do that only later on after the business is established. But any friend I have who asks me about starting, I always tell them, I think you have to make it clear first um, what your mission, vision, and values are. Um, Because with Happy Skin, that's something we did later on. It came late already. Mm. And if that's something... I would have wanted that should have been at the start. Okay. How about for those who are in the throes of sustaining their business? They're, they've already started. They've got their momentum up, but they're working very hard to keep it going. What would you tell them? Well, if you already have a business running and you know it's already going well and you want to sustain it, I think one thing to look at also is giving back. You know, it's easy to measure success with awards and numbers. Profit may be the measure of success in a business, but it's not the measure of success in life. I was—I remember when I was in Silicon Valley for a business trip many years ago, and one of the innovation speakers explained that profit is no longer the measure of success. It's solving big problems of the world and changing lives of people. And I always took that to heart. And, you know, that's already the new era of doing business. So if you already have a current business, I think that's something you want to evaluate. And it will, it can actually be something that will set your business apart. So don't go on with your business thinking about how it can make you more money. Profit is important, but I think especially this past two years, we've seen that it's not the only thing that matters. You know, the triple bottom line now includes profit, people, and planet. You know, you have to be the kind of business leader who isn't motivated only by earnings, but someone who's actively studying and measuring how your business is changing lives for the better. Businesses can't just be a source of money. They also need to be a force of change and a force of good. I know that you went to school. Like you, you, took a new, uh, you went to AIM to, yes. to study business. And this was while you were already involved in it. I have to ask, did it help? Because you talk to different entrepreneurs and they, they give you different answers. They're like, oh no, I didn't learn anything. I learned everything on the job or I learned everything while we were doing our business. But, you know, to actually secure a degree like that, does it arm you with more ammunition when you're dealing with your business? Well, when I decided to pursue my postgraduate studies in AIM, it's something I've always wanted to do. And I've always had this student mentality mindset that I'm always thirsty to learn. I'm not a believer that 
you already know everything. When I entered AIM, I had the option of taking the master's in entrepreneurship. But what I took was the executive master's in business administration, the executive MBA. And even if I could have taken up the one for entrepreneurship, I really intentionally chose the one, the executive MBA, the EMBA, because I knew I would be surrounded with the big decision makers of different companies who were, they were people who worked for big global companies. And I wanted to learn from that, that kind of mindset. And, you know, Happy Skin was a startup. And I realized that if I wanted to professionalize this and make it grow bigger, I had to learn from people who were leading businesses that way. So I chose the executive MBA degree instead of the master's in entrepreneurship. And it was a very eye-opening experience um, taking up my EMBA in AIM. It wasn't the easiest, you know. It was one of the hardest, most difficult periods of my life. And would I do it again? Of course I would. But the, the lessons I learned in being with people who share the same values, parang you really get so bonded with all the difficult things you went through that you become life, friends for life. And the decision to take that was really to be able to take my business to the next level. I really learned a lot from them. Um, it was, if anything, let's just, it was an eye-opener. Like I said, Happy Skin was a startup and it's so different to see how it's all their businesses were run globally, um, you know, with standards of excellence. And if anyone listening is thinking of taking a postgraduate degree, I'm going to tell you, go for it. Don't think twice. It's not, it's not easy, but you'll never regret it. So we've been discussing happy skin, but there's sort of an elephant in the room here because earlier you just announced earlier this year that, was it earlier this year? Yeah, earlier this year. Uh, right? Last year, October. Last year, yeah. October, that, Wow, it's <laughs> Like it was just this year. Well, you re- you recently announced last year that that you were leaving the brand, and so that's something that you built and co-founded from the ground up. But things happen in the course of business and even in life. I mean, these things happen. You never really envision things coming to an end, chapters coming to a close, but they do. They do happen. Was this ever something you had envisioned in the early stages of setting up Happy Skin? You know, I'm the kind of person who gives all that she has to what she believes in. When I started my business, you know, Paul and I put in our joint savings as capital and I had no plan B. So it had to work. Thankfully, it did. And I, honestly, I thought it would be something I would be doing for the rest of my life. Um, walking away from the business I helped create was no doubt, one of the hardest things I've had to do. But I've always grounded myself on values of integrity and on the belief of doing what is right, even when it's not easy. So for women who are thinking of leaving something that's valuable to them, it really helped me to prioritize the values I hold dear. For me, it just never made sense to compromise on these values because that would mean I would be compromising my self-respect too. How do you know when it's time to move on, how do you make that decision? I think first it helps that you really know your values in place. If it's very clear what you're willing to do and not willing to do, it makes the decision clearer. For me, the perfect business is one that's true to your values. You know, anytime I see something that's not aligned with my values, it's painful, but I don't take it as a loss, but as a gain that I knew it early on. Um, for anyone in 
similar shoes, I think you have to remember that your business isn't your barometer of your worth. Businesses could fail, but you will always have your worth as a person. Um, I think you also have to think of what reinforces your values and adds to that intangible piece to your life. Anything that costs you your peace of mind is too high a price to pay. Sometimes leaving something is exactly what you need in order to feel whole. As a mom, I just want to add that it's also important to be a strong woman so that your daughter will know how to be one. And if you have a son, your son will know what to look for in a woman. So for anyone at the crossroads, I've realized that even if it's undoubtedly hard, you will never lose when you choose the values that are most important to you. Did you have a timeline when you were starting out or even building the business of how long you would dedicate yourself to this business? How, Because sometimes people have timelines like, okay, I'll, I'll put in this much effort for 10 years. And then after that, I'll slowly, you know, hand the reins off to someone or, or, or lighten my load so that I can, enjoy, I can enjoy my family, I can enjoy my life. Did you ever have a timeline or... I, I didn't. Like I mentioned earlier, it was something I would be, I thought I'd, I would be doing for the rest of my life. And when something like that happens, because it, it's happened to me, like professional issues or, or chapters in your life, when the rug is sort of ripped out from under you or you're, you're forced to make a decision and it's incredibly disorienting and, and you, you know, for your whole entire life. What was something that you felt or experienced or, or that you experienced when you were at this point that you were surprised to feel? Well, you know, if anything, the decision was something that wasn't mine alone. I think one of the happiest people was my husband, Paolo, if that says anything. I think the surprising feeling that you're asking about was I felt at peace, like no regrets, you know. No turning back. I, I was at a point when I made the decision. I was very, it was a very complete and whole decision. It wasn't, well, should I do it? Should I, should I not? I mean, it was a very full, complete decision. So there were no regrets at all. For women who are thinking of leaving a partnership or a job or a business, it can be a very scary time and you don't know how to go about it. And I, I know that you keep going back to, to, your values and what what matters most to you, but like step by step, how do they how do they do it? Because it sounds like such a scary monumental task. It is. It really is. I guess for anyone who's in the same shoes, it always starts with that. It's, there's this something always in your conscience, always asking you, "Is this still the right thing for you?" And everyone, no matter what stage of your life or what kind of career you do, you'll always seek that. Tama ba iniisip ko? Is this, um, is this right? Am I the only one who feels that way? Um, that's why when I announced my business exit or when I exited the business, I shared that. I realized, you know, seeking advice from some people who are pillars in the business industry helped reaffirm to myself that tama ginagawa ko. And, you know, you have to be able to turn to people you trust um, it was hard to choose who to turn to. Because if your parents aren't in business, they will not understand how it feels to let go of something you've poured so much of your life into. Parang, it's like a baby you've raised yeah. from birth. And it's so, it's, it's so hard to let go. Honestly, at the start, it was something unimaginable. 
you know, it, it's something I never thought would happen. Um, that's why it was such a big decision to make. Um, so turning to the right people you trust who will give you advice, not the advice you want to hear, but the advice you need to hear. And people who you can trust their experience and wisdom. I mean, there are so many people you can turn to, but turn to someone who has a clear picture, a bigger picture, a clear, bigger picture of the industry or has also been there in the same shoes. I, I, I can't speak for whoever might be feeling it, but whether it's, you know, in the business arena or your professional career, someone you trust. Um, if you have a mentor, you turn, turn to them so that they can tell you, go to someone who will tell you the truth. How do you deal with the end of something like that? I mean, it, it sounds like a breakup. I'm sure it felt like a breakup. I mean, or even worse, probably, because as you said, it's like a baby that, that you've nurtured since birth and you've poured so much of yourself into. But so, so now you've, you've left. But what about healing? What about moving on? How do you deal with it? Well, the one thing about having a business, it does feel like having a baby. It might feel like a marriage. But thankfully, unlike a marriage where there's no annulment or divorce in our country, in a business, you can exit. So that's one realization I had. I always felt like, no, it, you know, it's like a marriage. But it, it's something, it was a decision I had to make. Um, it wasn't, the decision to leave wasn't something I did on impulse. It was a long discernment process because I'm, a, I'm at a point in my life where I pursue only the things that feel like a complete yes for me. I understand it's a privilege for me to be able to leave because there are so many who are forced to turn a blind eye because they have to earn a living. And because I had this opportunity to make a choice, I decided to choose what reflects what I stand for and what my values are, even if this inevitably led me to needing to exit the business. You know, in the end, I don't have any regrets knowing that my decision reflects choosing the values that are important to me. Honestly, I consider, you know, that it's not a failure to walk away from something not aligned with my values. I think the bigger failure would be to stay. And I, you know, being able to walk away from this is one of my biggest accomplishments. It's a win, not just for me, but also for my family. What are your thoughts on regret in relation to your situation? I, I always, this is my mindset, you know, 20 years from now, I think, you can be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things than by the things you did. I know anyone might feel it's scary to stand up for yourself, to speak the truth, to start again or to start that business and you know make those big life changes. But you know what will be scarier is it's lay, you know laying there in your final breaths and regretting everything you didn't do in your life because it was outside your comfort zone. I think that's the bigger regret. How about getting emotionally involved in business? Because I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm not a business person or an entrepreneur, but I, I, I've heard, I mean, traditional teachings say that you shouldn't get emotionally involved in business. But I guess sometimes, and most people can't really help it because you pour so much of yourself into creating something. And there's that argument that as women maybe we are more inclined to getting emotionally involved, whether it's true or not. So getting emotionally involved in a business, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, when they say that maybe traditionally or 
in the past, they would always, that would be the business teaching not to be emotionally involved. It's like saying emotions are a bad thing. But for women, emotions are our strength. And, you know, I don't look at it as bad at all. You know, we're all human beings and emotions will always be involved in anything we do, including business. I think what's important is to be able to separate the personal from the professional. As an entrepreneur, I think it's inevitable for anyone not to get emotionally involved because like you said, you're pouring out so much blood, sweat, tears, and time. I've always believed that, you know, do it with heart or don't do it at all. What are your plans now? And would you would you do it all over again? Well, I'm still working towards a more sustainable world. You know, I'm, I always joke that I'm like a cat who has nine lives. I've been through so much in my life. And um, I always know that a closed door will present more opportunities for new ones to open up. And if I had to do it all over again, I would. Because I believe all the difficulties I've gone through have made me the woman I am now. You know, this isn't the end because my entrepreneurial journey is still evolving. Right now, I want to continue using my voice to educate people on the pressing concerns of our time. You know, women empowerment, the value of education, sustainability, and environmental issues. You know, they, these are some things that I always um, voice out on my platform or on social media. Or e even without social media, it's something I talk to all my friends about. So I, I continue to do that. At this point, where you are in your life right now, where I can imagine that there, everything is rife with possibility. I mean, everywhere you look, I mean, all of a sudden, you're seeing things with new eyes and, and coming out of a pandemic. And there, there's so many possibilities, really. And, and having the experience now that, that you do behind you, uh, you can either look at it as a, you can either look at the past as a bad experience, or you can look at it as something that sort of even bolsters your, your own credentials or enriches your life. But is there fear? Is there fear of having to start over again or try again or failing perhaps? Do you feel that fear? I think more than fear. I feel more fearless because I'm not starting from scratch. I'm not starting from zero. Right now, if I start again, I'll be starting with experience. And, you know, I think we have to normalize failure and mistakes because that's okay. You know, we can't look at life through a lens of fear, like always asking ourselves, what if I fail or what will people say if I do this or do that? You know, those are the thoughts that kill more dreams than anything in the world. So I always tell myself that failure is just a bruise. It will go away. It's not a tattoo that's permanent. And I've always believed that what you feel like what you feel like was the greatest mistake you've made stops being one the moment you learn from it, decide to change what's needed, and you move forward. There's a lot that inspires me these days and excites me these days, and there's a lot of work to be done for the issues I advocate for. And honestly, seeing the bigger picture definitely fuels me to do better. Having been through this entire cycle, through through everything that, that, you've, that you've been through, and, and it, it is a cycle because I think for business owners or entrepreneurs, they, they go through the cycle of opening a business, then closing it, then starting again, starting a new one and building that. I mean, they go through it several times. Ha have you redefined what it means to be an entrepreneur or has it, have you started to think about it differently? You know, in other countries, let's say in the US or Europe, 
or in the tech industry, starting a business, it's very normal to start one and then sell it and exit the business, then start a new one. But for the Filipino culture, it's very, it's something you don't, it's so hard to let go of. I mean, parang, because you look at it like like family, like your own baby. So there's always that mentality. And I notice it among the Pinoy culture that it's hard to let go of something. That's why, you know, if you look at the Philippine business landscape, a lot of businesses are from passed on from one generation to other to another. But I think if this experience has redefined what it means to be entrepreneur for me, I think my definition of an entrepreneur is I've mentioned it earlier that it's someone who solves the big problems of the world. And for me, that continues to keep me going. I know uncertainty makes us anxious because it, it represents a future that seems unknowable. And one of the ways I face uncertainty head on is I take an active role in knowing what can be known. You know, that's why I decided to pursue business sustainability management at the University of Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership last year. This is an investment I made. Um, it was like a personal commitment to continue doing business for good. You know, I want to lead businesses to be innovatively profitable, socially responsible, and environmentally respectful, to be a catalyst for change and, you know, a business that can be a steward for my children's future and the next generations. So I guess my definition of entrepreneur has evolved. You know, it's not just about earning money, but throughout this entire experience, I want to have a business that does good to that, you know, it's more of a business that gives back. Being an entrepreneur means doing business for good. You know, someone who isn't limited by what others have done before and is not afraid to forge her own path, that kind of entrepreneur. And it also means being a fearless Filipina who can still feel the fear, but still have the courage to stand up for your values and principles, regardless of the consequences. I think that's, how my definition of an entrepreneur has changed. Is there anything that you would do differently next time? If I look back at my entire life or just the business exit I did? Whichever, whichever, you want to, whichever you want to talk about. Well, I've shared in my book, I authored a book called Read My Lips, What It Takes to Build a World-Class Homegrown Brand. And it shares a lot about my personal and professional life. You know, I've had my fair share of challenges. I had to be more patient with my big break as a model because I refused to be casted for skin whitening advertisements when I was, you know, proud to be a morena. Um, I started a trailblazing beauty business which faced rejection from retailers at the start, which I don't think a lot of people know. I dealt with being a woman in a field dominated by men. I was a single parent and I guess most recently I have, I've had to walk away from the business I helped create. Would I still go through all of that again? Definitely. Um, I think when you've been down before, it doesn't scare you to be, you know, down again. I think you always have that mentality. You have nothing to lose and more to gain. I wouldn't do anything differently. Um, all the things I went through just made me stronger and made things clear, crystal clear. That's why I guess I don't feel afraid also to move forward. Thank you so much, Risa. Now, before we let you go, after all of this wisdom that you've shared with us, and very, it's very insightful, everything that you've said so far. Before we let you go, can you give us the words that you personally live by? First, do what is right, even if it's not easy. So I put a premium on integrity and excellence. And maybe second, I would say is, 
I always believe that everyone in life always begins with preparation. You know, I'm the type of person that studies everything in detail, you know, whether that's trends, new brands, or best practices here and abroad. You know, through consistent observation and persistent studying, you'll always find something to better in your business and it will keep you from resting on your laurels. I'm also the kind of person that believes that there is always room to grow and learn and there's always something new to know. You know, that might be frustrating for some, but I think it's very important and also very humbling to approach life and entrepreneurship with a student mentality. That's why I was so inspired to take up further studies. And I genuinely enjoy approaching the work I do as a continued education or a continual education. Because education, whether you receive it inside the four walls of a classroom or through life's many lessons, it's still the most powerful tool you can use to change the world. Risa, thank you so much for being on What Glass Ceiling and sharing all of this with us. Feel like you need a little more female support? Visit www.inlifesheroes.com for more information or to connect with a financial advisor. 